Rosa Garcia with Why Jesus. Hoping you're having a fabulous, terrific day. It's been wonderful to feel the sun rays a little bit warmer than in the past couple of weeks. To see the sunshine out. Um, it just makes me feel so much happier than when I'm in complete cold gloomy weather so I try very hard every day to find the good in everything and that makes me have a better day um, I have a quote that says be happy not because everything is good but because you can see the good in everything so I definitely get to stare at that on a daily basis to be reminded because it helps me see God's mercy and love in my life on a daily basis. So I'm hoping that you are able to feel the sunshine as well and feel God's love for you and your family. So... This lesson that we're going to go over today, I've been thinking about it quite a lot. Um, I don't know, trying to figure out, um, not necessarily what I want to say, because I usually read most of the lessons, so there's not a whole lot that I veer off of it, um, but because they have been... Um, the questions asked resonate with me as I need to be pondering those more deeply and wondering how it is that I'm going about life. And so it's been more of an, you know, a, a lesson that has gotten me to think um, where I'm at and, and whether I need to revamp some of my goals and some of the things I'm doing in life again. So, um, you may or may not feel the same way, but today we are going over the lesson for February 22 to 28 on Doctrine and Covenants, covering chapters 18 through 19, and the Lesson title is called The Worth of Souls is Great. And that is something that the majority of the world does not believe. And that is disheartening to me. And uh, it speaks volumes to me of the level of wickedness that we're experiencing these last days. And we just don't see each other as humans, as people of worth. Um, you know, we see each other as the enemy. And I can't even imagine what a loving father thinks of us, all his children, when we are doing this 
hate um, thing, you know, day in, day out. So, I mean, I guess we have an inkling of what that feels like, uh, having had our own children and knowing that sibling sibling rivalry is very real and it just makes us want to pull our hair out um but to see it on a world stage where the world is acting like two little bratty kids you know an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth type of thing is just unreal and it is helping me try to, you know, have me evaluate where I'm at and whether I feel like I'm contributing to that or not. I, I try to stay away from all of that um, because you don't feel good when you keep pointing the finger at someone. You don't. Um, you know, blaming everything on somebody else doesn't do anything for us. I mean, somebody once said, be careful because the, when you're pointing the finger to someone, you forget that the thumb is pointing back at you. So, which is very true. I mean, we are not to judge one another. We are to help one another make it in this life is what God would have us do as siblings, as his children. So for anybody that is listening to us for the first time, we are going over a manual called Come Follow Me. And it is put out by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you can find that in a desert book store or on the app for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or LDS.org online and do a quick search for Come Follow Me under libraries and the scriptures that we're going over this year um, in a book called Doctrine and Covenants. And last year we went over the Book of Mormon, which is a second witness of Christ. And the year before that we went over the New Testament, which is part of the Bible, which is the first witness of Christ. So you can call this Doctrine and Covenants scriptures the third witness of Christ. Why do we have to have witnesses testifying of the same thing? For the very same reason why witnesses are important to a justice court. Because it is more believable and more gives the judge the power to um, understand what is happening and understand and get to the bottom of the truth easier. 
So, First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, I want to say. I might be wrong there. Um says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall everything be established. So, doctrine and covenants acting as a third witness is absolutely amazing. I love these scriptures. They're here for the last days, which is your day and my day. And they're to help us understand who Jesus Christ is and how every soul that has ever lived throughout humanity is worth everything to him. And every soul that will still come after all of us has the same worth to him as all the souls that have gone before us. So he gave his life and atoned for the sins of the world so that we can have the chance to clean ourselves from our sins and wickedness and cleanse ourselves to be able to be guided by the Holy Ghost that puts us on the path back to God. And so this lesson is so important to me and I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, Doctrine and Covenants chapter 18 and 19, the worth of souls is great. It says here, it talks about the people that were pivotal, so important in bringing about the uh, publishing of the Book of Mormon as scripture for the world to have it available. And um, Martin Harris was the one that bare the front of that whole thing. So we're going to hear some names here. Um, hopefully it makes sense to you. It says here, Martin and Lucy Harris had one of the finest farms in Palmyra, New York. It had taken them years to acquire had enabled them to raise a family and had given them good standing in the community. But in 1829, it became clear that the Book of Mormon could be published only if Martin mortgaged his farm to pay the printer. Martin had a testimony of the Book of Mormon, but Lucy did not. If Martin went forward with the mortgage of the mortgage and the Book of Mormon did not sell well, he would lose his farm and jeopardize his marriage. At some time or another, we all face questions similar to those that Morton may have been facing. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ worth to me? What am I willing to sacrifice to help build God's kingdom? So those are the questions that I've been pondering for a little bit. And I kind of, you know, thought about him, thought where I'm at, thought, is that where I'm happy being? What else can I do more? So 
I guess these are all questions that you and I will face at one time or another in our life. Um, and so, yeah, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ worth to me? And what am I willing to sacrifice to help build God's kingdom? Whew. Those are loaded questions. Um, as far as Martin Harris, this is what he did. It says here. Um, first of all, it says, It may help us to remember that no one has ever paid a higher price to bless God's children than Jesus Christ. The greatest of all. And there's a scripture on DNC 1918 there. Um, that reminds us that Jesus Christ is the one that has paid the ultimate price. And it says here, DNC 1918, Which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit? And would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink? That is Jesus Christ speaking about how he felt as a human being in the flesh going through the atonement for you and I. So yes, let us never forget that nobody has ever paid a higher price to give you freedom to choose what you want in this life the true freedom that the world does not recognize nor understand. Their definition of freedom comes from the world. And the definition of freedom of free agency and will comes from God through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So it says here, Martin made the decision to mortgage his farm. His sacrifice paid for the printing of the first 5,000 copies of the Book of Mormon, and now, more than 190 million copies later, millions of souls around the world have been blessed. So Martin Harris certainly paid the highest price that he could pay to spread God's word on the earth. He definitely sacrificed more than you and I have. and uh, pretty sure that might have cost him his marriage as well. So he paid financially. He paid in his relationships. But he truly showed how important the gospel of Jesus Christ was to him. And so... The subsections or topics that I didn't mention are part of the lesson are called The Lord Rejoices When We Repent. I can hear the Lord's voice in the Doctrine and Covenants. Jesus Christ suffered so that I can repent and come unto Him. God's blessings are greater than the treasures of the earth. Peace comes from learning of Jesus Christ and following him. All incredible sections that we're going to finish off here. 
So I am now on the The Lord Rejoices When We Repent. Why is that so? I am going to read the scriptures that tell us that on Doctrine and Covenants 18, 10 through 16. Then it says, Remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. For behold, the Lord your Redeemer suffereth death in the flesh. Wherefore he suffered the pain of all men, that all men might repent and come unto him. And he hath risen again from the dead, that he might bring all men unto him on conditions of repentance. And how great is his joy in the soul that repenteth. Wherefore you are called to cry repentance unto this people. And if it so be that you should labor all your days in crying repentance unto this people, and bring, save it be one soul unto me, how great shall be your joy with him in the kingdom of my Father. And now, if your joy will be great with one soul that you have brought unto me into the kingdom of my Father, how great will be your joy if you should bring many souls unto me. So, The worth of souls is everything to Christ and God. They love our soul, our spirit, who we truly are. Our worth is priceless to them so much that they're not willing to lose not one single soul. And that is why Jesus came as a God, to be born into the world, to receive a body of flesh and bones like you and I, so that he could experience the temptations and mortality, all the pain and suffering and anguish that you and I live through on a daily basis. He came to experience that as a God so that he could fully understand where we're at in life, so that he can fully comprehend how to help us through our trials in life. He paid for every sin that has ever been committed, the small, the simple, the ugly, the heinous, the wicked, the abhorrent, you name it. He lived through it all. So literally there is no name given under heaven that has ever done so much for humanity as he is. That is why he is called the Savior of the world. That is why he is the only one that can save us, that can speak on our behalf to God the Father on Judgment Day. 
you and I can work as hard as you and I can to live the best life and we will still come up short at Judgment Day. But that's where Jesus Christ comes in. You give it your 100% effort and whatever the difference is, Jesus Christ makes it up so that God the Father can grant us a life with Him. And why do we have to be clean and fully repentant to come to God the Father? Because He is perfect and we're not. We cannot, as imperfect beings, come to dwell with the perfect Father. We cannot. We will be walking in with mud and dirt and oil and crap into a clean house. And we all know how that works out. Nobody's happy. And so, but he has mapped out, planned out in a perfect way how you and I can clean ourselves to be able to receive all the blessings that he has in store for us in his home in the next life. Our earthly life is only a moment in comparison to the eternities that are coming up after you and I live this earth. So once we leave and depart, our spirit goes to the next life and we'll all be waiting for the judgment day. Judgment day Everyone gets to figure out where we're going to live for the rest of eternity. And hopefully our actions have given us a good place in the eternities. So earlier, um, I was doing what many of you do, which I don't recommend, is to look at some of the posts that people put on certain things and you know you get riled up on some of this stuff and i try not to let that stuff get to me because i i just know that all of these comments come from lack of understanding lack of understanding uh who am i to judge another i'm not i'm just grateful that uh I understand and see things differently. I'm grateful for that because it gives me peace. I know most people don't have that peace and that peace only comes through Christ. And so that's why it's so important for all of us to come to Christ. And so this person was making a case for you cannot have 100% freedom if you are don't have full freedom to do what you will. Um, and the example was abortion. And um, I got so upset over the fact that she was looking at a, a baby as just uh, dirt. 
and that nobody but the mother had the right uh, you know the mother has the right to let that baby live or die and that is the mother's 100% choice and I got angry and that's not a good thing to get angry about but anger, angry at the lack of understanding from my point of view because I've been reading this lesson and I've been pondering this lesson and obviously this person has no clue how precious every soul is to God how precious he has given men and women the power to procreate to have heaven's power to bring another human being to the earth and that baby has every right to be here just like anybody else and for some person to have a hundred percent a say on whether that child lives or dies is not from God is not from God God wants every child every baby to have the opportunity to live have a body and experience this life to learn to make choices hopefully the right choices that will bring us back to him and when we take that away from another human being just because it's part of our body for nine months that does not come from God and I'm sorry if you don't feel the same way that I do on this but every soul is precious unto God and I'm going to take you I've said this before but I'm going to take you to another scripture um, that is in another um, place uh, that tells us about God's purpose. Um, let's see if I can find it here quickly. Hmm. Um, God basically says, for this is my work and my glory to bring to pass immortality and eternal life of man. Every soul is precious unto God. He desires no one to be left out behind. And he tells us in Moses chapter 1, verse 39, For behold, this is my work and my glory, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. 
So immortality is coming to us through Jesus Christ. He died and was resurrected on the third day. And because he did break the bands of death, you and I will be able to break the bands of death someday. Be reunited with our spirit for those that have died back in a perfect body that no longer is limited to disease or any other thing that you had going on while you lived in it. And eternal life is for us to have the potential to become like Heavenly Father and live with Him forever. Um... And so, to me, it's clear how God feels about these babies. But it is not clear to, do I dare say, the majority of the world, which sickens me, makes me sick and sad to know that we do not value babies' lives the way we should that we go as far as advocating for certain species that are of animals that are dying and being um, killed by hunters and whatever not for money. We dare defend the rights of those animals, but we do not defend the rights of babies. I am, it's beyond me, but I'll leave that debate to the table. This is how I feel because God himself has told us how he feels about every soul that has lived before, is living currently, and that will live later. And because he wants every single one of them to have all the same opportunities he does not want one to be denied life and the opportunity to make choices with our bodies. So, because we learn so much through the body of flesh and bone that we house, that houses our spirit, we came here to master our thoughts our mind, master our desires and all this stuff that comes through our bodies. And we cannot do that if we're killing people and not giving them a chance to, to have the same opportunity that we have been granted. And so... I didn't want to make this a political statement. I'm not. I'm just saying that the worth of souls is everything to God. And hopefully we will understand it someday better than we do currently. But that has been on my mind all week. And... 
I'm upset at some of the things I read on that post, but hey, everyone's got to make their own choice on what they will stand up for, and um, we'll have to give account of where we stood and what we defended at the second coming. So God bless all of those out there that don't believe that every soul is precious unto God. Every soul deserves the right to live. Um, and so the next section, I can hear the Lord's voice in the Doctrine and Covenants. So I don't know what you feel when I read the scriptures from these, this book called Doctrine and Covenants, but I can definitely feel that it's God talking to me. And so I know it's his voice through his prophets that were written as scripture for you and I. So I'm going to read this section here on Doctrine and Covenants 1834-36 so that you have a chance to see how you feel as you hear the voice coming through these scriptures. It says here, These words are not of men, nor of man, but of me. Wherefore, you shall testify they are of me, and not of man. For it is my voice which speaketh them unto you. For they are given by my Spirit unto you. And by my power, you can read them one to another. And save it were by my power, you could not have them. Wherefore, you can testify that you have heard my voice and know my words. This is God speaking saying that what you and I read on the scriptures what we read is his voice and we can testify that we have heard and know his words when I read Doctrine and Covenants or the Book of Mormon or the Bible I feel God's power. I feel his voice. I get to know God, my Father, through the scriptures. I know who he is and what he wants and what he stands for and how, as a parent, he's trying to guide us and try to tell us through the whisperings of the Spirit, where the path to a better life and the path to the next life is at. But you and I, as His children, we do the same thing our children do to us, and that is to not listen to us and not obey us because they think we are. We don't know what we're saying. They think they know better than we are, do, 
and they think, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And then we see them making the wrong choices and getting hurt, etc. And we feel for them because we love them. We just go through the same thing with our kids that God the Father goes through, you know, with us. And I get it. I understand that he's trying to guide us through the scriptures. It's a perfect plan. Nobody's left out. Nobody. Everyone matters, including our furry friends, including domesticated and wild. You know when you look into the eyes of an animal, you can feel a spirit. We all are worth everything to him. We are priceless in his eyes. So I hope that you feel that way through the scriptures as we read. Um, I love that scripture that I just read. The next section, Jesus Christ suffered so that I can repent and come unto him. We could never talk enough about Jesus Christ and everything he has done for us. But I am going to read from Doctrine and Covenants chapter 19 verses 15 through 20. So that you can feel the power of these particular scriptures about Jesus Christ so that God can testify to you that what you are hearing is truth. It says here, Therefore I command you to repent, repent, lest I smite you by the rod of my mouth and by my wrath and by my anger and your sufferings be sore, how sore you know not. How exquisite you know not. Yea, how hard to bear you know not. For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all, that they might not suffer if they would repent. But if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I. Which suffering caused myself even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. Nevertheless, glory be to the Father, and I partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. Wherefore, I command you again to repent, lest I humble you with my almighty power, and that you confess your sins, lest you suffer these punishments, of which I have spoken, of which in the smallest, yea, even in the least degree, ye have tasted at the time I withdrew my spirit." I don't know what you feel when I read that. But 
This is the Savior speaking. about the importance of repentance, of cleaning ourselves from our sins. I am, he's pretty heavy on this because he wants to make sure and makes it very clear that it's going to be our choice to clean ourselves from our sins willingly because we have chosen or life circumstances, the trials and the afflictions that you and I will go through because of our bodies and minds will be so hard in life that those circumstances will humble ourselves to the core where we're going to be begging for help and there will be no help for you unless you humble yourself and say I I'm a sinner. I am willing to cleanse myself from all this horrible things I've done. And I'm ready to feel some peace and feel some love and feel of the blessings of that God my Father has in store for me. I am ready. We make the choice by ourselves without having to go through all the crap or as much of it, minimize it as much as possible, or we will be humbled by our circumstances. I, I don't want to suffer like Christ suffered. I have that choice to make, but some of you out there might be willing to go through that. I don't know why you would. I don't like pain. So I avoided as much as possible by doing as much as I can my part, like the scriptures say. And so far, God has shown me through the scriptures that despite my trials, I have been blessed with peace, with eyes that see and understand better so that I panic less, so that I'm less fearful, so that I can make better decisions, so that I can protect my children spiritually from the evil around them. I have those choices. We all do. But if we don't, he's saying we will suffer even as he did. That does not mean he's inflicting it upon you. That means he's leaving the choice up to you. But he's saying, but if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I. 
which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit. And would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. Nevertheless, glory be to the Father, and I partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. Wherefore, I command you again to repent, lest I humble you with my almighty power, and that you confess your sins, lest you suffer these punishments of which I have spoken, of which in the smallest, yea, even in the smallest degree you have tasted the time I withdrew of my spirit. So he's talking to one of these people here specifically, but that he's talking to all of us. He's telling us, don't choose pain. Choose the better part. We can choose to be humble by ourselves or the circumstances will humble us. So I pray that I never cross the line to the other side because I don't want to feel that pain. So then um, it says, consider what each word or phrase teaches you. Why was the Savior willing to suffer? He said, I finished my preparation, meaning I did my part. I died for you. Now you do your part. You clean yourself. You repent and clean yourself. That's our part. So uh, here's a scripture on John in the New Testament, John fifteen thirteen. It says here, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Greater love hath no man. Greater love had no man than to give his life for his friends. Jesus Christ gave his life for you and I to show us his great love. I am humbled just to hear that is enough to stir me to getting my act together. Then on... Mosiah 3, 7. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oof, I can't read it now. Let's see. And lo, he shall suffer temptations and pain of body, hunger, thirst, and fatigue, even more than man can suffer, except it be unto death. For behold, blood cometh from every pore, so great shall be his anguish for the wickedness and abominations of his people. Oof. The next scriptures are loaded as well. Alma 7, 
11 through 12 from the Book of Mormon. And he shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind, and this that the word might be fulfilled, which saith he will take upon him the pains and the sickness of his people, and he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death, which bind his people, and he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities, so that he knows how to help us. He did that so that he knows how to help us so that you and I don't feel like we're going through whatever it is we're going through alone and that nobody understands what we're going through. There is only one person that 100% understands what you and I go through in our trials and that is Jesus Christ. So therefore you are never alone in your suffering in your pain, in your anguish, in your fear. We just need to reach out to him. And then the last scripture, I think I read it. Remember the worth of souls is great in his in the sight of God, for behold the Lord your redeemer suffereth death in the flesh. Wherefore he suffereth the pain of all men, that all men might repent and come unto him. And he hath risen again from the dead, that he might bring all men unto him in conditions of repentance. And how great is his joy in the soul that repenteth. Holy cow. That was from the Bible. That was from the Book of Mormon. And that was from Doctrine and Covenants. Very powerful scriptures telling us who Jesus Christ is and how much he loves us and how much he has done for us and how he hopes and prays that you and I repent and clean ourselves so that we could get back to live with them so that they can bless us even more out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall everything be established shall the truth stand so you know that all these scriptures have spoken truth God's blessings are greater than the treasures of the earth well I know that for a fact. I just pray that you and your loved ones feel that way too. So it says here, Doctrine and Covenants uh, 1926-27 I'm going to read that. Let's see here. And again, I command thee that thou shalt not covet thine own property, but impart of it freely to the printing of the Book of Mormon, which contains the truth and the word of God, which is 
my word to the Gentiles, that soon it may go to the Jew, of whom the Lamanites are a remnant, and that they may believe the gospel and look not for a Messiah to come who has already come. Impart a portion of thy property, yea, even part of thy lands, and all save the support of thy family. Pay the debt thou hast contracted with a printer. Release thyself from bondage. Leave thy house and home, except when thou shalt desire to see thy family, and speak freely to all. Yea, preach, exhort, declare the truth, even with a loud voice, with the sound of rejoicing, crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of God, the Lord God. Pray always, and I will pour out my Spirit upon you, and great shall be your blessings, yea, even more than if you should obtain treasures of the earth and corruptibleness to the extent thereof. Behold, Canst thou read this without rejoicing and lifting up thy heart for gladness? Or canst thou run about longer as a blind guide? Or canst thou be humble and meek and conduct thyself wisely before me? Yea, come unto me, thy Savior. Amen. Whew. Jesus Christ, the Savior, was speaking to Martin Harris who was thinking twice about not mortgaging his farm, who was just like you and I, not knowing 100%. But then Jesus Christ spoke to him. Uh, he guided him, told him what to do, what not to do. And he says, doesn't this, knowing what you need to do, help you with surety know of the goodness that's coming to your life? Or do you want to continue to be a blind guide? He's powerful. He wants to guide and direct our lives. And he cannot do it unless we repent. Because our sins blind us from seeing the path, from hearing him. Our sins keep us from finding the way back to them. Because Satan throws all kinds of temptations and distractions and fears before us and tries to take away our freedom to choose, tries to divide us and have us look at each other as enemies and point the finger at each other so that we feel that it, nothing is our fault that we don't bear any responsibility for what is happening. He's doing a great job. And Jesus Christ and God are saying, Repent. Clean yourself of all your sins so that you are now more able to hear me. 
to see the map before you and follow it, to hear our voice guiding you through these troubled times. Repent, get rid of your sins and choose to make better choices, the choices of reading the gospel, the scriptures of praying, of doing everything that you can to stay close to God instead of staying close to the things of the world, which is Satan blinding you. So I, I don't know. And those words are so powerful. Uh, the Savior speaking directly to Martin Harris. That means he can speak directly to you and I as well through our feelings and thoughts and heart and mind. Uh, it says, peace comes from learning of Jesus Christ and following him. Consider the Savior's invitation, learn of me. What do you learn about Jesus Christ in Doctrine and Covenants 19? I just read to you those scriptures. And you have heard how blunt and powerful he has stated who he is and what we will go through if we choose not to clean ourselves from our sins. So it says here on the last part, it's the part that we had read, um, for us to choose to repent so that we can be full of hope and we can feel of their love and guidance throughout our lives. Even when bad things happen, we will always feel better by being close to them. I can attest to you and I, to you and all out there, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has completely changed my life and given me a peace and happiness that I would have never otherwise in my own intellect and power been able to do, ever. It says here in Doctrine and Covenants 19.23, Learn of me and listen to my words. Walk in the meekness of my spirit, and you shall have peace in me. This is a direct blessing. He is telling you directly through his words, through the prophet Joseph Smith in the book Doctrine and Covenants. Learn of me and listen to my words. Walk in the meekness of my spirit and you shall have peace in me. I cannot say anymore how much Jesus loves you and me. How much he and 
our Father God want us to exercise our freedom to choose them over the world and the things of the world. Choose to repent. Choose to learn of him.